Great song. I know whom I believe it, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep me. Again, we're talking on faith this morning, growing faith. Years ago, I had the blessing, the honor of being able to sit uh, under Dr. Stanley at First Baptist Atlanta, some of the best education I could get from a great man of God. Very challenging. Sunday mornings, uh, John Glover would sit right about over there. They were on TV, and and I'd be up in choir, so I'd get to see about uh, 10 minutes until the end of the thing. John would hold up a little card that said 10 minutes. Then he'd do five, and he'd count it down so Dr. Stanley would know when to bring it to an end for the broadcast. Sunday night was a different matter. There were no time restraints, and he would go for 45 minutes to an hour, but it felt like just a minute or two. One of those nights he was preaching, and he said, this is something I I wish I could just kind of open up your head and kind of pour it in. It's that important that you need to get. And that's how I feel about this sermon today, growing faith. I hope and I pray that, one, I'm clear, that my thoughts are clear and you're able to understand, but also that God would open your heart and you'd be able to receive it and respond to it. We're in Hebrews chapter 11, often called the roll call of faith because it starts listing all the ones in the Old Testament who lived by faith. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to start with the first three verses. Now, faith, the King James says, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's enough to chew on for a while. Faith is the substance of things we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. God spoke and it happened. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. You know, the the Latin term for that that's talked about is ex nihilo. And it means out of nothing, something. And I don't like that term. Uh, And so I've coined one that I like better. It's not legitimate Latin. It just kind of goes along with it. Rather than ex nihilo, I like ex theo. Because God existed. The stars weren't there. The planets weren't there. But God has always been. And out of himself, he spoke everything into existence. So not out of nothing, something out of God or creation. That's uh, West theology. I hope I don't have to stand up to a professor with it, but it just helps me a little bit. Let's go down to verse 39, the end of the chapter. After they've done the roll call of faith, after they've listed all of these who lived by faith, the writer continues, these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us that only together with us would they be made perfect. That almost sounds like a tang tongler. What he's saying there is, is all of those righteous people who lived in the Old Testament, 
did not receive full salvation and at, upon their death they did not ascend into heaven. You see, to get to heaven, your sins have to be atoned for. The only way to get into the presence of God, to have full fellowship with Him, is for death to cover our sin. So all those people were essentially in a holding pattern until God came in the form of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ finished His teaching with us, when He went to the cross, when He took our sins upon Himself as our scapegoat, when He died and carried those sins to the grave, our sins then were, the penalty was paid. The Greek word there is tetelestai. And what it means is you can think of having a bill. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe it was your car. Whatever bill, and it's stamped, paid in full. That's where our debt is. Jesus Christ, through his death in the cross, paid our debt in full. And not just our debt, but all of those righteous who had lived. Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Joseph, on and on. David, Solomon. So they were waiting until that time that Jesus Christ died for their sins. Once he had done that, they were able to ascend then into the presence of God in heaven. And, and you read Paul's writings, and actually it's uh, out of Psalm. It says, Jesus descended into the depths and led the captives free, led the host in his train. What he's talking about, what they're talking about, is when Jesus Christ died, when, he, uh, when his body uh, died and, and he took those sins to the grave, he then led all those waiting for their salvation up into heaven. That's what was going on the three nights he was in the grave. Since that time, now when we believe Jesus Christ, we instantly have access to heaven. And that's the promise we have that when we breathe our last breath, those who have believed in Jesus' Son are instantly with him. We no longer have to wait. So that's what the author here, the scribe, is talking about in verse 40. God had planned something better for all of us, all of mankind who ever lived, so that only together with us who are alive would they be made perfect. At that instant when Jesus Christ died for our sins, we became perfect in the sight of God. All of those who had not yet lived, everybody. So we're talking about this faith. And we have that verse that's at the top of your bulletin, today's scripture, 11.6, that says, and you've heard it often, for without faith it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so we come to that place where we can be struggling in our lives and we can have those moments, I hope you have them, I hope you have had them, where you struggle with, how can I please you, God? You've saved my soul. You've, you've met needs in my life. I've, lately I've heard some tremendous testimonies 
from some of you about how God just nurtured you and helped you and healed you after a severe time of loss. And so you, hopefully when you have those thoughts, you say, how can I please you, God? And the answer is easy. In order to please God, have faith. But it's not always easy living a life of faith or growing faith. And as I thought, I'm encouraging you, have faith. Please God, have faith. It occurred to me, maybe you need some, know some steps of how to do that instead of just the, the encouragement. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Abram, in Genesis 15, 6, tells us, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham is known as the father of faith. If you've done the VBS song, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And we're not going to do the old calisthenics today. That's what it's talking about. He is considered the father of faith because of how he believed God and trusted God along each step. But God continually is calling us to that kind of life with Him. In Jeremiah 33.3, a great verse, a great one to write out on a card and put on your mirror or somewhere. It says, call to me, God speaking, call to me and I will answer thee and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. God's bidding us, ask Him. Malachi 3.10, section B God says, test me in this. Almighty God is challenging us to test Him. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't have enough room to store it. Of course, in that section, he's talking about giving other places, he's just talking about reverencing God. And God's saying, you know, if you will honor me with your first fruits, is what he's saying, test me, try me out. See if I will not pour out a blessing. In Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus says to us simply, have faith in God. Constantly, God's calling us to faith. He desires faith. He has things we do, such as giving back a portion to Him, such as yielding our lives to Him. But you know, it's like the psalmist uh, wrote, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God has it all. It's not that He's poor and destitute, and He can't, he can't uh, meet the payroll if we don't give our little bit. It's for our benefit in giving back to Him that portion that He asked for so that we can then, in trusting Him, see what He blesses us with beyond that. These are tests. The things He calls us to do are tests for us to help our faith grow. And faith should grow. When we come to accept the Lord and His, His gift of salvation, we exercise a faith that brings us from the penalty of sin. But the faith for salvation is just a beginning faith. Earlier in the book of Hebrews, the writer says, you know, that's, that's milk. 
like a baby takes. You as Christians that have known the Lord should be feasting on the meat of the word, on deeper things. That's the beginning is accepting him. And even that we did not do on our own. The Bible teaches us that we are dead to Christ in our sin. That dead means unresponsive, unaware of God. Our spirit is not seeking him, does not yearn for him. But the Holy Spirit quickens us. That, That quicken means brings to life. The Holy Spirit works inside of us, making us aware of our need for God. It can be through a Sunday school teacher, through a friend, through a pastor, through something you hear, or just reading the scripture. But the Holy Spirit wakes up, gives you that little spark so that you start seeking God and realizing your need of salvation. So were it not for God, through the Holy Spirit, we would all still be dead in our sins. But we grow in our faith. It's like a muscle. It needs to be exercised. It needs to be used. It's, it's our mind must be exercised if we're to grow in knowledge. We don't start out in first grade doing advanced mathematics. When you walk in that first day, your teacher doesn't lay out some calculus formula. You start with what? One plus one equals two. And you learn about addition. And then maybe you come back the next year or the, the third grade or whenever it is, you start doing multiplication tables, or most of us grew up doing that. Three and three equals nine. And we sit there and we recite them and we start learning how that's a form of addition. And, and so we learn. And then we start learning division. Then we learn long uh, division. And then we get into square roots and on and on it goes. And I did fine through algebra, but when I got to geometry, I did not like geometry, and trigonometry blew my mind. But we didn't start there. When we start any activity, we start with very basic steps, and then as we perfect them, we grow, and so it is with faith. At salvation, we have a grain of faith, a glimmer of who God is. But God wants our faith to broaden and deepen so that we learn to trust Him more and more. He has wonderful riches for us. He wants to do so much for us. I did that little kind of chant with you uh, last week about God wanting to help us, willing to help us, waiting to help us. That's who He is. He's a great loving God that wants to pour out abundant gifts on His children. So why does God desire that we have great faith? Because the deeper and stronger our faith is in Him, the more He can do for us. The more we trust Him for, the more He can give to us. The more we learn to trust Him, the more He can trust us to proclaim His gospel. When He knows we are faithful, when He knows we are obeying His word, when we are doing what we are supposed to do and and trusting in Him for that, then He can entrust us with bigger missions, with more people. We want to see these pews filled up. We start showing God that we're going to be faithful in proclaiming Him through giving our testimony or through a car care clinic. 
reaching out to people. When God sees that we are faithful in obeying him, he then pours out his faithfulness and provides for us. So that's why God wants that. It draws us closer to him. Faith is the commodity that he values. And so I want to talk about some steps of how to grow in faith. And the very first one is having a desire. Do you desire to draw closer to God, to have a deeper faith? Is it in your framework to want to please God? Are you concerned about whether you please Him or not? Seems like a simple question, maybe almost sacrilegious to ask in church. But many people live, many Christians live, not concerned of whether God's happy with them or not. They go about their life. We've come to think we're entitled that God as as being our father and we're children should just give it to us. Give us the trophy even though we didn't win the game. Give us the prize even though we didn't struggle for it. We, We feel this entitlement. And so the first thing we have to come to is we have to get the right order of who's Lord and who's the the subject here. God is the all-present, omnipotent creator of the world. God is the one who quickened you so that you are no longer dead in your sins, but you have eternal life. God is the one who can speak things into existence. That's who He is. We serve Him. We should seek to please Him not him please us. There's a great Bible study, and it's been rewritten, I understand, and and I I may find a way for us to do it. It's called Experiencing God. It's by Henry Blackaby, uh, who has now gone to be with the Lord, but they've, they've reprinted it. And Henry Blackaby has a very simple premise in that book. And the premise is, find where God is working and go there. Simple, easy to understand, but it's not what we do. What we typically do is I want to do this project. God, come help me. I want to do this. God, join me in that. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But we have 100% surety of involvement. If we see God is working in this area, I'm going to join God in what he's doing. And so as we consider as a church our mission, we need to look at our abilities, our strengths, what God has blessed us with, the needs of our community to see where God is working and wants to work and we join Him in that work. We seek to please Him in that work. And so that's the first question for you is do you even want to please Him? Is that, a, is that on your radar? Or, or do you lay at night? You know, I, I appreciated what uh, Lewis shared there of how he's prayed. God, I've got these skills you've blessed me with. You let me go to school. You've given me jobs to where I work with my hands. Uh, Lewis uh, is an aircraft mechanic, has done that for many years. So I'm waiting on my jet, Lewis. So I thought that's what God might give to you. Uh, oh, okay. We'll start with helping with automobiles with using that. And that's the heart there. Lord, you've given me the ability to crochet. 
You've given me the ability for organization. You've given me the ability to do maintenance. Use me, Lord, in that way. That's the prayer. That's wanting to please Him. So that's the first thing. Do you want to please Him? The second one is, we must seek God out. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, one of the hard times is being hungry and thirsty. And a lot of people around the world would say, we Americans don't know hunger or thirst. We might miss a meal. It might get delayed, most of us. But there are people around the world who go days without food or only some rice or porridge. But I get hungry. I'm going to get hungry. In about 10 minutes, all of a sudden, my clock will go off and I need to get going here. But that hunger feels good when I get that meal and I taste that food and my belly's full and I get drowsy, turn on a football game and go to sleep. So that hunger and thirsting after righteousness is like that. When we crave to know God and then He responds by filling our hearts with His work in our lives. It's satisfying. It's joyful. So Jesus says that. And so we should seek that. We should go for that. In, in Proverbs, it, it says, it is, the, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to seek it out. God delights in people who seek Him. And so that is the next step is to actively seek Him. Quit thinking you're so great that all you got to do is sit and God's going to pour it into you. No. You need to have an open heart. You need to seek Him. Then He will respond. Number three, to grow in faith, we need to ask God, where do you want me to grow? You see, you have an area that you're struggling in your faith that I'm not struggling in. And I've got areas in my life that I'm struggling with that you've got down pat. We are each unique, fearfully, and wonderfully made creations of God with different desires, different abilities, different means, different capabilities. And God works with each of us individually and uniquely. And so uh, as we go before Him, Again, kind of like Blackaby said, don't say, God, I want to grow in faith by this. Nope. You're my Lord. You know me better than anyone. You created me, Lord. Where do I need to grow? Test me. Teach me. Train me in growth in that area, Lord. And then as we start accomplishing that, and as God sees we're serious, He'll show us the next one. And one of the things we need to understand as a body of Christ is if I'm dealing in this area about my faith and you're not, that doesn't make you better than me. It's just different things in our lives. If I've got this handled, 
whatever it is I want to call this. I, I don't have any struggle with faith. I'm believing. I'm doing. But you're not. I'm not better than you. We're just all at different places in this journey to God. And so I need to extend you grace to grow in your area. And I ask that you extend me grace. We're all on this path, we should be, of, of reaching the, the heights that he has for us. And in our uniqueness, we have not a different door, that's Jesus Christ, but different areas in our life we need to struggle. I've got a neighbor uh, deathly afraid of cats. Sue and I have two cats. We love them to sit on us. Turns out when she was a young girl, her, her cousins, I think it was, threw a cat on her. Well, I don't care. The best cat, if you pick them up and throw them, they're going to try to get off of you the quickest way they can. Well, it scarred her on cats. She's uh, 70, I think she turned 75 this week. And she will not come into our house because we have cats. That's a struggle for her. Sue and I have had cats for years. We love them. We hold them. We pet them. We even have black cats. Some people think we're tempting superstition. It doesn't make one of us better than the other. We just have different challenges. And so we are here with our faith. So as we grow in faith, we trust God to, to tell us and to lead us. But in doing that, we have to believe what we hear. When we ask God, we have to be listening. We have to believe that when we hear something, that it's God speaking. And that doesn't mean we do that dumbly. It doesn't mean we, we don't consider it. If you have a friend, a neighbor, maybe they're not a friend, but if you have someone that you just really hate, and you think your solution might be to murder them, God's not going to say that's your solution, okay? That goes against His Word. So God's not going to tell you to do something contrary to your Word. If you're struggling in your marriage relationship, God's not going to tell you to help out by finding somebody on the side. That's not His Word. He's already said that. He's already covered it. So don't be foolish in that way. But when you have an inkling, and God speaks in a still, small voice, we wish sometimes He'd talk out loud, but oh, if He does, that's when you tremble. You remember when Mama used to use all your names? Yeah, you knew you were in trouble then. Or when Dad raised his voice a little bit. God speaks gently and quietly to see if we're listening, to see if we'll believe that's His voice. And so when God speaks to me in some things, my pattern now is, I believe it unless I know it's against His Word, and then I walk in the direction that's leading me to, trusting if I have heard wrong, God's going to put up a roadblock He's going to stop me. He's not going to let me continue going in the wrong direction. He's that loving. He's like a father who sees their child heading towards uh, uh, some danger. 
The dad's not going to let the child keep going. You're going to stop that child. And that's the way God is. So when you hear, when you say, God, what is it you want to fix in my life? Where is it the faith that you want to address? And he says, he gives you an inkling. Well, God, are you really talking to me? Well, God, are you really saying? Go. If you're heard wrong, he'll stop you. Trust him all along the path. But you've got to know, I'm hearing God. You've got to believe that. Step out in faith by actively living what you've heard. It's not enough to say, oh yeah, God, you're right about that. I need to fix that. Nope. You've got to do something with it. You've got to move in that direction. You've got to show that you do believe. You've got to step out in faith. That's what the song was about. God said and that he's going to, Jesus said, send his Holy Spirit to lead, guide, protect you. Trust him to do that. Jesus said in 1415 of John, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help you and be with you forever. You see, you have that blessing that Abraham didn't have. When you believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit, God, the third person of God, the third of the Godhead, comes and indwells you. And He indwells you to be able to freely speak to you and give you guidance and wisdom. That is a a, a benefit we have that those in the Old Testament before Christ did not have. So step out in faith, believing in what God's doing. Then, keep asking God. You're never going to graduate until you go home. There's always going to be something there. Whether you're 60, whether you're 70, or in your 80s, or approaching your 90s, there's something God wants to do in your life to deepen your faith, to deepen your walk with Him. Hopefully it's different than when you were 20. Hopefully you've grown. But keep asking God what it is along that journey, along that way. Come on, pages. There we go. There's a caveat here. Caveat's a warning. We read in Psalm 139, 14, You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and the creation of you was made by the supreme creator of the universe. You are a unique, capable, and flawed in your own way. When diamonds are mined, they're not in the shape that's on the phone. Uh, phone. My phone just went off. <laughs> They're not the stone in my ring, in my wife's ring. That's not what comes out of the ground. A craftsman has to chisel that and cut it into an empire cut or, or a princess cut or whatever those cuts are. They're rough and a master craftsman has to chisel each one until it's radiant and sparkles and has fire that makes you want to purchase it. Your master craftsman, God, needs to mold you in that unique way. You've got rough edges that need to be sanded off. Maybe he's going to have to take a chisel to you because you're extra hard. But he wants to craft you and he's doing that to your best and your glory. And so we don't want to compare ourselves to others. 
God's working on this area of my life, not yours. Doesn't make us better, makes us different. We shouldn't take a haughty spirit thinking others need to be like me. We each understand we're each on a unique path and we give each other that liberty and grace to grow in their way, rejoicing in the differences among us. Then finally to parents. Parents of younger children primarily. Not primarily. I'm speaking to parents of minor children. You are part of that chiseling process. As adults, we stand before Almighty God. Our children are under our umbrella, and God uses us to mold them to his likeness. And that puts an extra onus on us to get it right. Okay, God is wanting, he has established the family, the home, and we are part of their development. And so we need to be extra serious about that as parents. And even as our children are grown, we hopefully have influence on them. The path I've I've laid out to you may seem daunting, and it can be. God can, can really take you to some deep trials, but you can count it a blessing. If he's given you a hard task, he knows you can handle it. He knows you've grown in faith that he can trust you for that. So believe and praise God, even though it may be hard. At the end of the life, that's when we ascend to be with him. And after having done this walk of faith, that's when we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now enter unto thy rest. And so my hope is today, Some of you are taking notes. Some of you have got a mind like a steel trap. You've got it. Some of you maybe can go to Facebook later and watch it again to get those steps down. But I urge you, first, desire to please God. That's where it starts. Then ask him what he wants to do in your life. Then believe what you hear. Act upon it. And then keep asking, God, what's next? What's next? What's next? Train me, coach. Let's stand and have a prayer. And we'll have our closing hymn. Our precious Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you left heaven, that you came down and took on our form, that you endured what we endure day to day, That in that we have a high priest who knows the temptations we face, who knows the challenges, who knows the hurts and pains, and you can commiserate with us, Lord, because you went through it. But praise God, you are also Son of God, Son of Man, and you willingly took our sins upon yourself, carried them to the grave, so that you could abide with us, while we're still here on earth, and then usher us into your presence when you call us home. 
Thank you for loving us that deeply, Lord. Forgive us for being self-absorbed, wanting to get what I want, instead of saying, Lord, how can I please you? Lord, open each heart here today. Open each mind that they could hear you speaking. Speak clearly, Lord. Defeat the hardness of our hearts so that we can hear you and then give us that discipline, that will to say, I'm going to step out in faith, Lord, and believing you're going to be there. Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't have, hasn't taken that first step of knowing you as Savior, speak to them, Lord. Urge them to come. Speak with me. Let's have prayer. Let's get it resolved. Father, to each Christian here, may they humbly submit to you their whole life, not even knowing what you're going to call them to. Father, may we as a congregational body at Campbellsburg Baptist Church unite together to say, Lord, how can we please you? Where do you want to exercise our faith? All these things, Lord, we know are desires of your heart. And so, Lord, effect your desire. It is in Jesus Christ's name we come before you and pray and we gather. Amen.